Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the difference between Wall Street and Main Street. Wall Street and Main Street have had different philosophies for a long time when it comes to investing. Wall Street's focus is securitizing the underlying businesses, and they've created so many derivative products with the hope of creating financial leverage. This is a packaging and repackaging of investment vehicles into increasingly large, opaque, homogenized pools of assets. What's insane to me are the valuations being attached to these companies. I've long held that Wall Street valuations are far too high for the underlying assets. If a property is trading at, say, a 6% cap rate, and if all the properties being held by that company are trading, for example, at a 6% cap rate, and the company is only in the business of holding assets like this, how could the company be trading at 50 times earnings, or the equivalent of a 2% cap rate? Yes, I understand that leverage can increase yield, but leverage also increases risk, and that risk is already built into the cap rate for the property. How can a company be worth more than its underlying assets? We saw crazy valuations in the early 2000s with collateralized debt obligations. These were nothing more than packaging of pools of mortgage loans into new financial instruments that could be sold. It had the effect of moving debt off the bank's balance sheet and allowing banks to loan even more money. The opaque nature of those debt obligations nearly collapsed the entire global financial system. It all worked fine as long as the default rate on those debt obligations remained low. And when things blew up in 2008, the fragile nature of these paper assets became apparent. Well, Wall Street seems to be at it again. The latest is a major push by Goldman Sachs to get into real estate, and the commercial leaseback game in particular. A unit of Goldman Sachs just purchased Oak Street real estate capital for about $2 billion. Sale leasebacks are a way for some companies to strengthen their balance sheets. The buyer purchases the commercial real estate from the active business, who in turn takes the cash and pays down debt. Instead, the business pays rent rather than servicing the debt. In some cases, it's a way for companies that have paid down debt to raise cash without borrowing funds. It's a game that makes it all seem like a massive shell game, where there's very little of true value being added to the equation. According to the folks at Green Street Analytics, there's been about $6 billion a year in leaseback activity by public companies since 2014. It's a growing trend. It's for these businesses that are not in the fundamental business of owning real estate, but they need to control the real estate in order to operate their business. The buildings remain the same. Nothing of new value has been created here. So the question is, why do sale leasebacks make sense? It comes down to managing risk. If a Walgreens location is sold to you and the seller signs a 25-year lease, you can pat yourself on the back and feel like you've done a great deal. The sale is a triple net lease, the tenant generates strong cash flow, and they generally pay their bills this would be considered an investment-grade deal. Now, if that store lasts for 25 years in that location, all is good. But if that store is closed and the retailer defaults on the lease, then you've got a problem. That location that was purpose-built for a Walgreens is not useful for other purposes. It's not going to make a good warehouse. It won't make a good bank branch. It will be a terrible footprint for a restaurant. And it will require major renovation to repurpose that property for anything else. Unless the buyer is purchasing the property at a huge discount to the market, it's not clear that the move makes sense for the buyer. Why would you make a better owner for a Walgreens location than Walgreens themselves? Are you going to qualify for better financing rates than the retailer? Probably not. A triple net lease is not going to be any cheaper than paying the operating costs and servicing the bank loan for the property. It's not like the seller gets to benefit from much better cash flow. It seems to be cash flow neutral. The seller gets to reduce their debt and put additional cash on the balance sheet and that extra cash might enable lower interest rates on the rest of their borrowing, 
when that could have a global benefit. It has the impact of reducing profitability, since the entire lease cost is now an expense, and where previously the principal paydown portion of the loan would have come out of profits and be considered taxable. For the buyer of the sale leaseback asset, the key is understanding the business health of the selling company. If we look at the makeup of Oak Street's portfolio, they're about 35% in retail, 50% industrial, and 15% office. That's not a bad asset mix as long as the exposure on the retail side is not at the higher risk end of the spectrum. Wall Street firms have to be seeing the crazy multiples in the market and going in search of yield. While so much of Wall Street is focused on arbitrage of paper assets, the underlying fundamentals will eventually rule the day. There's another player in the sale of leaseback space called Realty Income Inc. This REIT has about $16.5 billion of assets in their portfolio. The largest shareholders include various Vanguard funds and BlackRock. And together, these two entities own about 22% of the REIT. This REIT is trading at 51 times trailing 12 months earnings. Another read in the space is VE REIT. They're trading at 31.55 times earnings. No doubt you're going to hear about the risk in real estate investing when you see the prices of these stocks fall. Understand that the value of the underlying real estate is disconnected from the valuation of the companies that own them. This is no different than owning Tesla stock or Netflix stock where the market price is disconnected from the financial performance of the underlying businesses. I'm glad that I'm firmly grounded on Main Street and not playing the Wall Street shell game. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.